0: And so this morning, we're going to walk forth in our assignment, but there's something that God gives us in our lives called the anointing that will empower us to do that assignment that he got set aside for us to do. If we walk forth in that anointing and that power, we'll see our assignments take place and um, accomplish very quickly. There's nothing the enemy can do against you to slow you down if you're walking in the power of God. If you allow God to move in your life, if you walk forth in the power that God's got set aside for you. The thing is, even though he can't stop you, He's going to do everything he can to slow you down. He's going to do everything he can to try and throw some things out in front of you, try and do some things to distract you, to keep you from being everything God's got set aside for you to be. But we call these things the body of Christ. A lot of times we call them oppression. We'll talk some more about this in a little bit. But here's the thing. He's got these little things that he's going to plant somebody inside you. We call this oppression. We call this some kind of seed or whatever. And if he can get that thing to grow and bear fruit on the outside, he knows he's got you held back. Any sickness, any kind of physical ailment, all goes back to a root of sin. I'm not trying to say if you're sick right now that you're some great, huge sinner. What I'm trying to tell you is all sin and sickness was non-existent before sin came into the picture. Anything that was unhealthy to the human body, anything that kept us from being physically strong we need to be, or anointed and spiritually that we needed to be, that is trying to hold you down, is rooted in sin. And I'm not saying that you've got a sin issue, but what I am saying is that there's certain things that we can do, and there's something God's got for us that will pull us out out of that issue. This is what we call oppression. Talk about unforgiveness, depression, lust anxiety, fear, poverty. If the devil can plant some of these things on the inside of you, if he can get you distracted, if he can get you just a big thing, especially in the body of Christ, is unforgiveness. You know, we talk about, oh, Jesus loved us, and we'll, for, we'll forgive everybody, because, everybody cause, cause he, because he forgave us. If he can plant a seed of unforgiveness in your heart, if he can get a little bit of bitterness started there, then it won't be long. And all of a sudden, you're, you're walking in, and you're walking in, and in sickness and in, and in lack. Why? Because we know that the Word says, unless you forgive others, God can't forgive you. And if there's something between you and God, then you're not going to be able to see from God the things you need to receive to be victorious. If there's some unforgiveness in your life, all you've got to do is just choose to forgive, and you can begin to walk back with God just the way you did. Now, depression, that comes with your, the self-image we were talking about. Um, poverty, you'll think, when you talk about poverty, people think, well, that's just, that's just something over in Africa where people don't have any food. No, poverty is, a spiritual, po- poverty is a spiritual issue. Poverty is a mindset. There's a spirit of poverty that gets on people. Now, some of the richest people you'll know when you're, that you'll ever meet have a spirit of poverty. Well, how does that work? They got all this money. Well, because they're afraid to lose that one little dime. We all know people like this that, oh, my goodness, if they got to pay a dime more for something or if they got to give up that, that little dime or they got to do a little bit more than what they expected, the whole world's coming to tune in. An and they got hordes of money stashed over here, but, but heaven forbid they use any of it. That's the poverty mentality. That's not believing in the grace of God and the air of giving that when you give, God's going to supply it back to you. And so a spirit of poverty will keep you from being everything God's set aside for you. And so as we begin to, as we begin to move on here, God has supplied us as believers with something called the anointing. And so the Bible says in 1 John 2.20, it says that you've been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. And so you say, well, that's a cool word, and that's one of them Christianese words, and we don't use the word anoint much anymore. And what, What's anoint mean? And, and Well, here's the thing. The Bible says in um, Isaiah, it says in Isaiah verse, chapter number, number 10 and verse 27, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from your shoulder, and his yoke shall come off your neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And so, basically, according to this verse, the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God that he places upon your life. And so here's the thing, though. If you read this in any version other than the King James, it's going to tell you because you've grown so fat. And uh, so you say, well, how in the world does that make sense? Well, you know, we, there, there are translation things that go on. Is, but I did, I did the research myself because I'm one of these gurus. One of my pet peeves is to see the Word of God misused and misinterpreted. And so I, I did a lot of digging on this. And the same root word right there where it says, you've grown so fat, it, it's translated shemin, which is the anointing oil of God. And so why they got, you're so fat, I don't know. Maybe they just, you know, were trying to tell me something, I need to go on a diet. I don't know. But the, the thing about it is, you know, it's the anointing power of God it's going to rest upon your life, that he gives you to help you walk forth in this, in this, in this assignment that he's got for you. He's not, going to, he's not going to expect you to come out of the graveyard. He's not going to expect you to get to a place in him without giving you the power to do it. And this, this anointing of God is, is, a, is symbolic of the anointing that took place in the, in the Old Testament. And the anointing in the Old Testament was something that was reserved for very special people. And so look at your neighbor and say, you're a very special person. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're more special. No, don't do that. that, that that's playing favorites. But now... <laughs> now, someone, someone who was anointed, was a very, very select, very, very select few people in, in the in the Old Testament. If you were, unless you were a king or a priest, you didn't get anointed. Plain and simple. So, 99.9 percent of people in the Old Testament didn't get anointed. So, when J- Jesus comes around and John comes around and they say, "You have an anointing from the Holy One," they're like, "Oh, hey, that's a big deal." Now, to us, that's just another another word in Christianity that means you know something that God does to you, and it, Okay, I'm anointed because I'm a believer, and so we don't put much weight on it, but we have an anointing, is what the Bible says, which means we're set apart, we're sanctified, we're ordained, we're consecrated to do certain things and empowered To be victorious in the kingdom of God. Now, the two people, like I said in the Old Testament, that were anointed, one was the king and one was the priest. So, what was the job of a king? The job of a king was to lead, protect, and deliver. If you were anointed to be a king, that means you had a responsibility, and God was going to empower you to lead, lead people. That means He was going to empower you in a situation where it was needed to deliver people, to deliver your nation from from whatever bondage you were in, or to protect. If everything was fine, he was gonna, he was anointing upon you to protect your nation and to be led by God to keep your nation safe. If you were anointed to be a priest, that means that you were, were anointed to have the ability to mediate between God and man. That means you could represent man before God. So you could walk in the presence of God with requests and see those requests fulfilled because you were anointed to, to represent people, people before God. And so if people knew in the Old Testament if their king wasn't anointed and their priest wasn't anointed, they were in trouble because you wanted a king that was anointed by God to keep you safe. You wanted a king that was anointed by God to lead you lead you in the right way and keep your nation a, that nation protected. Now, you wanted a priest especially because you wanted somebody that could go before God on your behalf and see things take place. You don't want a priest that didn't walk right with God. You wanted a priest that had the anointing power of God on there so when he took the blood into the, into the mercy seat, that God accepted that sacrifice and you, and you were protected and your sins were forgiven or atoned for, however, however you want to define it back then. But here's what we've got to realize that today, the Bible says we are now kings and priests. We've been set aside so we are... uh, anointed by God on this earth to lead, to protect, to go to minister, like the Bible says we're minister reconciliation. We are anointed to see these things take place. And God empowers us and equips us with different giftings in our lives, and then he enables us to go out and see those things take place and see deliverance take place for people and and oppression release because that's who we are in the kingdom of of God. To anoint, if you look up the word anoint, it literally means just to, to smear or spread or paint something. You say, well, that's not very holy. That's not very sophisticated. When you anoint, you anoint it with oil. And so oil, when it gets on something... You know It don't come off very easy. You know, If you ever and come up here and pray with us and you said, I'm sick, I need to be no oil. Well, two days later, you still got a little greasy spot here in your forehead where the, where the oil was. And it reminded me, when we were a kid, um, y'all can thank me for um, anointing Pastor Joel because uh, <laughs> when we were little kids, we lived on a dairy in Michigan and I don't think my little sister was even in the picture yet. We come across this bucket in the barn. And now this bucket had a lid, snapped down on everything because I guess you know Dad knew better. He knew we probably shouldn't be getting in that stuff. But in this bucket, we couldn't read yet. A big old long word started with an H. It was hydraulic is what it was. But so in this bucket is this slimy grease stuff, and being little boys, we're like, hey, hey, opportunity. And so we we get in here, and we begin to look, and before you know it, I had anointed us all very, very thoroughly. Of course, this wasn't fresh new oil. This was oil that had been taken out of the tractor already, and so it was nice, pretty brown, grimy oil. And so our little pasty white blind-headed selves were not pasty white blind-headed selves anymore. It took mom several bathings, several washings to get this um, anointing um, <laughs> off of her... Off of her children, and uh, and I think still several days later, we were probably still greasy. And of course, the clothes were not even a in the picture anymore they were they were burnt and done away with but the, th- the thing about it was that's what i want you to get a picture of whenever whenever um or not us being dirty but i want to get you a picture of us you know how you can when, when you get anointed with something, When god anoints you when god empowers you it's not something that he's going to easily remove it's going to be very visible it's going to be very noticeable that you've been anointed by god when someone anointed a king in the old testament or they anointed a priest and they and they, they poured oil out of a ram's horn olive oil on, onto the onto the head this oil you know and they didn't have short hair back then and so you know this this, this guy was anointed and looked greasy and you could tell he was anointed for quite a long time because you're not just going to go, especially without Don dish soap back in the day, you're not going to get rid of that stuff very, very quick at all. And so when someone was anointed, it was very evident they were anointed, even physically, for quite a long time. And so we've got, to, we've got to realize that when God puts anointing upon you, it's something that's going to stick with you. It's not going to go anywhere. That the Holy Spirit, when he, he anoints you with power like we're going to talk about, it's going to be something that's going to be very, very visible and very, very noticeable, even to those around us. And so we need to be expecting that. What are some, quali- what are some characteristics of oil? And when, I want, when we say this, I want you to be thinking about the Holy Spirit as well, because in the Old Testament, whenever they refer to oil... They referred to the, they were, it, was, it, was, it was foreshadowing and symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So now what does oil do? Of course, oil covers, oil penetrates, oil lubricates, oil protects, and then it's not easily removed. And so let's think about this. When oil penetrates, how many of you know that when the anointing of God comes on you, there's certain things that you begin to have a heart for that you haven't had before. I mean, when you begin to let the Spirit of God move in you, all of a sudden, those, little, those, little, um, those, those kids in the back, all of a sudden, they're not little crazy kids anymore. They're, I love those guys because, why? Because God softens your heart towards it. Next thing, oil lubricates. Let's think about this. Bible says in Psalm 133, and it's only got three verses in the whole chapter, but it says, it talks about how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the oil being poured on Aaron's head, down his beard, onto his collar. And it's talking about, and that was the anointing oil. So there's an anointing in corporate worship and gathering together, amen? When we gather in unity, when we come together and we all function our anointing, and we're all operating and oiled up by the Holy Spirit... This machine's not going to lock up, amen. We're not going to rub each other the wrong way like so many times happens. Well, I love brother so and so, but that gum, it's like, and I well, I, and I, I love so and so, you know. When we talk about one month to live back a few years ago, and we have our sandpaper people, you know, people that just kind of, ooh, they just kind of, kind of grate you. Well, if we all walk around in our anointing to the fullest of our ability, blessed and oiled up by the Holy Spirit, there's not going to be that friction there because we're all operating the way God's called us to operate. The anointing lubricates, and so we're not going to be sticky with each other. We're going to be loving on each other. And now it also protects. I've helped Brother Andy with the stew contest several times now, and out of the first thing you do when you get that stew pot cleaned out is you dump a bunch of oil in there, and you oil the thing up because if you don't, the very next day that thing's gonna be a big old rusty mess. Anything cast or anything with that rust very quickly without being oiled. And I learned this the hard way at home too, with our with our stuff. And my wife's patient with me, and she just said, "Oil it next time and put it on the burner so it dries." I said, "Yes, ma'am." So here, here's here's what here's what you got, we got to realize that you know if we don't walk in our anointing, our anointing begins to begins to wane. We don't we don't do We don't stay in prayer. We don't stay in the Word, and we begin to step out of our anointing a little bit. All of a sudden, we begin to sticky and. Stuff begins to build up on us that we don't need there. And so the anointing will, and the oil of God will also, will also protect us. So we've got we've to keep that in mind as well. Speaking of anointing, God will put you with someone in your life that, will, that always knows what you need probably more than you do. Bless my wife's heart. She's, she's this person for me. And last weekend was, was my 40th birthday. And so she knew what I needed even though I didn't know what I needed. So she goes, I'm taking you to Rockwell and you're getting a massage. I was like, okay, that's not very manly. But, um, but, uh, but when we tell you a massage is anointed, Oh Lord Jesus, and they they put the oil on there, and them and them, and them, and them hot rocks, and all of a sudden you're like oh, and I, I come walking out of there. And she's like, how was it? i was like, uh-huh, it was good, you know. And it, it was one of the most amazing, but um, an hour an hour of just being anointed, you know. But um, but now that 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 you know, so praise God for that kind of thing. And you know, the you know, when you're anointed, a lot of times it wouldn't just be poured; it sometimes will be it'll actually be, be rubbed on and rubbed in. And so, um, I want to encourage you to go get anointed if you haven't. But no. At the same time, um, you know, just allow, allow God to begin to to work some things in you and begin to see God as anointing. And so, let's go back to the beginning. How how do we how do we know what all this is about? So Jesus says in Luke, in Luke chapter twenty four and verse forty nine, He says, "And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city till you are clothed with power from on high." And so, go back go back to the beginning, Go back to Adam and Eve. You know, the Bible says that they were uh, naked, but they weren't ashamed. And so, that's kind of interesting. And so we begin to wonder, well, how can you walk around naked and not be ashamed? Well, the thing is, they, they, they were covered. Physically, they might have been naked, but they had, they had a covering. And that covering is what, is what we, we call the anointing of God. See, Jesus said, stay in the city till you're clothed with power from on high. Well, um, so many of us, you know, Adam and Eve, this is what they lost. And so, here's the thing you've got to realize. God wants to not just drop a little, a little sprinkle of some kind of fairy dust on you. He wants to anoint you. He wants to cover you. He wants to clothe you with his power. So I found this nice little weight. I thought about getting the frills and all that kind of stuff, but I thought, nah, it takes too long to put on in front of everybody. So, um, But uh, do realize that God wants to clothe you and wants to, make, wants to dress you up. And so here's what we've got to realize. A step into sin is a step out of your anointing. And see, we can't, we can't sit here and think that we're going to do all these great things and, and, can, st- and can still live this, live this way over here. Now, Adam and Eve. God anointed them. God said, you know, and that term blessedness, it means actually had to kneel down. So basically what that means is God was anointing them to do the job he had for them. God said, God gave him his, them his creative ability. God said, you know, what, when, you, when you go around and you name something and you call it something, that's what, that's sticking. That's where it is. And so he, they got to name all the living creatures. And, and, they, and God said, go fill the earth to do it. And God anointed them and appointed them to do a job in his kingdom. And so he put an anointing on them. He covered them with himself. And, and they, were, they walked around and they were all dooted up. And so... What's the first thing that happens? The enemy comes and tries to get him to step out of the anointing. Now we know that the anointing is more powerful than sin. I mean, anything of God is more, is more powerful. So how does sin combat the anointing? Well, that's what you choose to walk in. You can either put this on, or you can sin, and you can slide it off. And you can be uncovered, and you can go walk around naked spiritually because you choose to walk, walk in sin. Now, the enemy. The Bible says in Ezekiel, and I believe it's in chapter number um, 13, or yes, me. Ezekiel 28, verses 13 through 17, it says, it says that he was the anointed cherub. Every precious stone adorned stone him. He was, he was blessed, and he was, he was high up on the mountain of God, and he was very high-ranking in, 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 um, in, the, in the kingdom of God as, and among the angels. And so what happened was they found, they found sin in him, and they found unrighteousness in him. And so his anointing was stripped from him, and he was thrown down to the earth. So what's the very first thing that makes him mad whenever God, begins, God puts man in the garden and God puts anointing on man to be who God's going to be? the very first thing he's going to do, like, hey, I recognize that jacket, that gummit. That was my jacket. I used to wear that jacket. Now, I'm not saying the anointing that was on the devil it was on you. What I'm saying is there's a, the God's got a closet full of anointing up there that he wants people to go put on, but the devil was, was stripped, had, had it stripped from him. And so now he's walking around, and so the very thing that makes him the most angry is when he sees the children of God, some, somebody that he thought was below him, walking around in what God had set aside for him. And so when he sees you walking in your anointing, what's going to happen? He's going to try and put something on you to, or tempt you to get out from under your anointing. The very same thing he did with Adam and Eve. He comes to Eve and he said, he said uh, what, why don't you eat from this tree over here? And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, God said if we touch that tree, we're going to die. And, of course, that's not exactly what God said. But at the same time, he begins to get you to question God and he can make sure to get you to willfully step out from under the covering that God's got to set aside for you. Now, like I said, this anointing is your protection. This anointing is a, is a, is a, a burden moving yoke-destroying power of God upon your life. And so not only is that an effect for you, but that's an effect for other people around you as well. So the first thing he's going to do is he's not going to want to see you walk around in the power that God's got set aside for you. He's not going to want to see you walk around in that ability, in that, in that grace, in that blessing, in the Holy Spirit and power like we talked about, because that was his at one time. He had that at one time. And So now he's extremely, extremely upset with the fact that, that you get to walk around in the anointing and he doesn't. He's very jealous. So what's he trying? He's say, well, don't, just don't, don't pay attention. To that. Just go, ahead, go ahead and eat that. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and go over here and uh, don't worry about what God said. He's just trying to, to keep you from being everything you're supposed to be. And for you know they, uh, they said, okay, well, I guess, I guess he's right. And so let's just try this. It does look like it's pretty good fruit over there. You know, and do and, and you ever notice something? Um, that the Bible says that God told Adam, and the Bible never says that God told Eve. And so it was the man's job as the priest of the home he was anointed to lead to uh, make sure that Eve was doing the right thing. And so he obviously hadn't communicated very well to Eve exactly what God had said. And so she said, okay, well, I guess it's not that big of a deal. Grabs it, and then when he sees her eating it, he says, okay, well, I guess it's not that big of a deal. And for, they, they slipped out of their anointing, and they were cast out of the garden. And the very, the very, the very, very thing that Jesus came back to give us was the anointing of God. So we've got, we got to stay in a place where we recognize just what it is that God set aside for us to walk in. Now... When a believer operates in anointing, it's a slap in the devil's face. Every time he sees you go uh, and begin to take over his kingdom, begin to deliver somebody from his kingdom, he takes it very personally. And so don't be be shocked whenever you start doing things for God and you begin to to discover this great self-image that God's got of you. You know, when we talked about in Psalm 34 and verse 7, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Don't be shocked whenever you step out into this self-image and you take the anointing of God upon your life and you begin to do what God says that something comes against you. Don't be surprised. Now, the thing is, the problem is, this thing doesn't have to beat you. The thing is, we step out and begin to do something for God, and the very first thing in he does is try and throw something in your way to oppress you, to get you to walk in unforgiveness, to get you to do something that's going to st- make you step out from under the covering that God's got for you. And so don't be surprised when um, you get in the place where you're kind of walking, walking out your gifting, and your calling, all of a sudden, um, somebody tries to offend you. Or does offend you? You take offense to it. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that somebody just drives down the road and you you kind of near miss them with a the car and, and they throw a finger at you. That doesn't bother you. You're like, I'll never see that person again. Let's, they can go deal with it. Whatever. No, you don't get offended by that. But it's when somebody in your inner circle, it's with somebody very close to you sometimes something will be said and, and maybe maybe wilfully, maybe unwillfully, maybe something will, something will happen and you've got an opportunity to get offended by that. You've got, an opp- you've got an opportunity to let this kind of sink in, and gets a, And what's the very first thing that happens? The very, the very easiest way for the devil to get you to walk off from under your anointing is to get you offended. To get you walking in unforgiveness. To get you in a place to where you're not receiving from God, where you're not in His Word, because, well, bless God, I just don't deserve this. That was, you know, heaven forbid that they would even do that to me. I can't believe that. They would, that. And for you know it, it's like, and then somebody asks you, oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No. you, you deep down and you've got, you've got a root of something growing there, and all of a sudden, your, your anointing and the way you operate, you know, in, in the power of God, all of a sudden it's just not quite what it used to be. And now, we know that it's not more powerful than the anointing, but the thing is, like I said, you've got to choose what you walk in. You can either put on the anointing, and you, you can um, choose to walk in that healing and in that deliverance, or you can sit there and you can put on, put on that unforgiveness, and bitterness, and walk around being an unforgiving, bitter person. So we've got, to, we've got to get in a place to where we're, we're clothed in the anointing of God, and we do everything we can to stay that way. Now, enter Jesus on the picture. You no know, man had sinned, and the anointing was not man anymore, except for a select few. And even then, it was upon them and not within them, like like like, like we know. But he enters the he he enters the picture, and um the reason he came, like I said, was to was to re, was to restore this. Now, Christ means the anointed one, and or his anointing that he operates in. And so, whenever we're walking around, when Jesus came, he was giving us the perfect picture of how to walk around with your ideal self-image, knowing who you are, knowing what your assignment was, under the protection and the anointing of God. He was the perfect picture of that. He, he showed us how to walk around knowing what, what the power of God could do in the life of a person, knowing how to operate in it, knowing how to function in it. He showed us perfectly how to do that. And so he even, he even said himself in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news of the poor. He sent me to proclaim the liberty of the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty of those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, here's one, of, quickly become one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It says, in Acts 10, 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, because God was with him. Now, how do people know God is with you? Because you're walking around on the anointing. You're dressed like he is. He's clothed you. He's, 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 got, a, he's got an endless supply of anointing in heaven. He's just waiting for his church to put it on. He's waiting for us to walk around in it. And so, when we walk around in the anointing, we walk around the, the covering of God, it's very evident who we are. You know, as Christians, if we would walk around in the anointing more, it wouldn't be so questionable whether or not we're a Christian or not. You know, it's not a matter of going to somebody and saying, Hey, I love Jesus. You want to come to my church? They're like, Oh, you're a Christian? No. It should be a matter of where do you go to church at or who, who, who you've been talking to? And, and they know they're just trying to get you to say it out loud. And so, here, here, here's the thing. Like I said, Jesus is the perfect example of how to walk around empowered by the anointing. Now, like we said before, remember, a step into sin is a step out of your anointing. And so, not saying that God takes away from you because we're under the blood now and we're covering. I'm not saying if you've messed up that God has totally done away with you. No, but every time you step into sin, you weaken the anointing upon your life. Why? Because you're choosing not to operate in it. And see, when you first put a jacket like this on, you know, they're not the most comfortable things, and there's a reason why guys don't like tuxes. But, um, but, um, but the more you wear it, the more it kind of becomes a part of you and you kind of operate in it a little more. So the more you walk around in your annoying, the more comfortable it becomes, and the more you begin to value it and, and, and not want it to ever be not a part of your life. Right. And so the, th- the thing, the thing we've got to realize here is, is that um, Jesus, just like Adam was, he was tempted. You know, the very same method that Jesus, the, the devil used on Adam, he was going to try and use on Jesus. So he came up there, and he, te- he, told, he, told, he told Jesus, you know, just throw them stones into, make them into bread. Just have, have a bite to eat. I mean... You've been fast for 40 days. The Bible says, and he was hungry. It's like, well, yeah, you think? And uh, the thing about it is, how, how tempting would it be? But no, see, Jesus valued our anointing so much that he refused to lose his. Amen? Jesus valued you being anointed so much that he was not going to let the enemy talk him out of his because he knew what his anointing was going to enable us to walk in our anointing. And so when he had an opportunity to sin, when he had an opportunity to, to give up or, or be mad at somebody, no, he chose not to because he knew that someday Jeff Timmer is going to need some anointing. And he was going to open the door for that anointing to take place. He knew that someday we were all going to have to have some anointing upon our lives to walk out the calling that he had set aside for us. And so he was not going to let the enemy talk him out of his. Because he knew his assignment, his assignment was to come to the earth and go to the cross and die for us. And then go to, go to hell with the anointing, by the way, so he could win it. Amen. So he could defeat it. And then come back and, and rise again and go into heaven and sit down at the right hand of God so that someday we could walk in the very same power that he did. And so that very same power that Jesus walked in, that very same how God anointed the Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. You know, so when God begins to pour out stuff on you, what's he, what's he putting on you? What's he rubbing all over you? The Holy Ghost and power. I mean, what do, wa- what do we walk around in? We are anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And so if that doesn't change you, then you need to ask for some more. I mean, if, it doesn't, if, it, if, if you've been walking around and, and you well, I just don't feel very anointed. Well, first of all, it's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of you saying, you know what, God said I'm anointed. And you stand up and you walk in it. But at the, at the same time, we have got to get in a place in our lives where we're walking around knowing who we're knowing who we're set aside to be, knowing that He's empowered, us, so knowing that he equipped us. And so, what are we anointed for? Well, the Bible says to do good. Well, that's not very exciting. I want, you know, it, what's first thing he did? He said he was anointed by the Holy Ghost and power, and went around doing good. And we're like, well, I want to, I want to, I want to see people get out of wheelchairs. I want to see, well, well, me too. But if you can't be good and work on walking around the anointing just to, to keep you being good and being the kind of person that people are drawn to because you're good and because they see God in you, don't expect to get somebody out of a wheelchair. Don't expect somebody to, to um, have their blind eyes open. Don't expect somebody to be set free from whatever demon is bothering them. No, because at first you're anointed to do good, which means be good to people. You know, don't be that kind of Christian that looks down and knows at somebody because they go to another church or because they, because they, they haven't lived life they call and they walk in the back door and you're like, oh, it's them. No. Say, praise God, it's them. The anointing of God's going to get a hold of them, and they're going to be changed. They're going to have a testimony for the Lord. And see, this is what we need to w- learn to walk in. We need to learn to walk in the, the fact that we're anointed to do good. Whatever, whatever good is. Well, if, if, if good for you is walking into the convenience store to get your Mountain Dew every day, um, right, that would be me, but if, if, you know, and, and, you're, and you're friendly to the people that might, behind the counter that are busy, you're not being very friendly, you know, use the anointing of God to be good. Use the anointing of God to, to share goodness to people, because God's goodness is His glory. And so when you, when you step into the goodness of God, when you begin to walk in it, people begin to see the glory of God. And when people see the glory of God, what happens? He healed everything. everyone was oppressed by the devil. Why? Because they saw the glory of God, so that glory brought the, opened the door for them to receive healing. And so, like I said, you know, he said, healed those who were oppressed by the devil. It's no coincidence that he said they were healed and oppressed. And so the thing is, Usually depression comes in, physical, in a physical form. Correct? Like I said at the beginning, anything that you allow to grow on the inside, you will begin to bear fruit on the outside. So you can let the fruit of the, you can let the, fruit of the Spirit begin to grow, or you can get, a, you can get um, walk around in unforgiveness and depression, all these kind of things, and allow un, un, unhealthy fruit to begin to grow and begin to oppress you and hold you down. So the, the, the key is this morning that you need to walk around in this anointing that Jesus has given you and allow the Holy Spirit and power to, to operate through you and enable you to, to do good to those that, that you're around. Now, you have been anointed to accomplish and be successful the assignment that God has given you. And so here, here, here's the thing. He didn't, just, he didn't just put this on you so that you can walk around and look good. But see, that's what, that's what happened to the enemy. He was up there, and the Bible said every precious stone adorned him. He was covered up. He was beautiful. He was, you know, a lot of theologians say he was the quote-unquote praise and worship leader of heaven. You know, and I haven't done that much research on the devil because I don't look at him that much, but I do. Um, but, if, you know, there's probably something to that. But at the same time, you've got to realize he's probably up there on Sunday and he, he's worshiping God. and He goes, oh, hey, hey, I look good. I am, ooh, I'm, I am that guy, you know. And I should have had him play some ZZ Top music or something like that. But, um, but uh, the thing you've got to realize is, you know, you, when you begin to get your eyes off of the one who anoints you and uh, your eyes on your anointing, then it becomes, oh, hey yeah, I got this. And you know, that's just what the devil said. You know what, God, I, I, I got this. I don't need, um, I don't need you to um, have me more? All of a sudden, you know what, and if, if I look this good, man, I should be up there with him. You know, and pride began to develop in his heart. And, that's, and, that, and then so all of a sudden he sheds his anointing because he, he, they found unforgiveness in him or um, unrighteousness in him. So we've got to get to a place where we realize that this is always, always, always a benefit and a blessing of God. This is always something we walk in in, in, the, in the power of God. And, and yes, does it doesn't make you look good? Absolutely. I mean, you should look good. You should want to look good for the kingdom of God. You should want to walk around in that power. You should want to walk around in that anointing that He's got set aside for you to, to walk around in. But at the same time, you should never lose, lose sight of the fact that it's Him who anoints. It's Him who, it's him who covers, you, covers you with that anointing. It's Him who uh, uh, anoints you with the Holy Ghost and with power, who gets you in a place to where you can go around seeing good take place at, 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 at your very hands. And you know what? You know, so, well, how does the anointing work? Well, It empowers you. It leads you. Now, the very first verse we read in 1 John 2.20, it says, You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all truth. Well, that's, you know all truth. Well, see, when you know you're anointed, you know you don't want to sin. When you know know you're anointed, when you're empowered, you know there's nothing that's going to overcome you and overtake you, and so you're willing to walk out and be bold. See, anointing always takes place with your mind first. When you, when, you, when you discover who you are in Christ, when you discover that, you know what, he didn't just, he didn't just keep me from going to hell, he's empowered me, he's, he's raised me up, that I can walk forward in empower and see not just myself changed but all those around me changed. I can lay hands on people, and, and they're going to get up. I can lay hands on people, and they're going to step out of whatever, whatever funk or mood they're in. I can lay hands on people, and I can just be good and watch God open doors and see, see things change right before my very eyes, because I walk around in the anointing and the power of God. Like I said, the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God that rests upon our lives. And so it's not a matter so much of us, of us trying to obtain it because he's given it to us. It's a matter of us doing everything we can to, to keep it in our lives. So like I said, a step into sin is a step out of your anointing. And so, like I say, we willfully choose to sin. I'm not saying if you, if you trip up and mess up, I'm not saying that, that um, God's just going to take, take your coat away and you'll put it in the closet and say, this is for somebody else. No, when, when you willfully make a decision to do something that you know is not beneficial to your Christian walk, whether that means slipping into a club or, or, or just even watching the wrong show on TV, whatever that might be. Whenever you make a decision, all of a sudden, you know, it might not seem like a big deal at the time, but you know what? Instead of working on my anointing, oh, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to just take a little, relax for a little bit. I'm just gonna, I, I just need a break. Need a and that's fine, we all need a break, but don't, don't, don't sacrifice your anointing at the same time. D- don't take a break that's unhealthy, take a good break. You know, maybe, maybe a break is getting in the Word of God. Maybe a break is, um, is um, spending time in praise and worship, not um, slipping off and um, chugging a few when nobody's looking. Now, I'm not going to get in the whole drinking thing, whether it's right or wrong. That's, that's between you and God. But at the same time, don't violate your conscience, because when you violate your conscience, you begin to violate the anointing upon your life. Because if you'll begin to function through the eyes of your anointing and through the eyes of the plan that God's got set aside for you, you'll know what you should and shouldn't do. Sin's not a matter so much of you doing black and white, right and wrong. Sin is a matter of you violating your conscience. You say, well, why can they do that? That's between them and God. That's their conscience, what God has told them to do. Now, we know there's some things in the Bible that we know are right and what's wrong, and we know that's a guideline for us. But at the same time, there's some things in your life that God's brought you through and brought you past that you don't need to be walking back into. If it violates who God has made you to be, if it violates the calling upon your life, then it's sin to you. If you want your anointing to be strong, if you value your anointing enough to where you want to walk around and be everything God has called you to be, then don't do things that are going to violate who God's made you to be. If you walk around, you, you violate who God has called you to be, then don't expect this to be quite as strong as it was before. Not that God's taken it from you, it's just that you're refusing to walk around in it. You can't expect the armor of God to work for you if you don't put it on. If you're going to walk around with the anointing of God being strong upon your life, then you've got to value it enough to say no to some things, possibly. Or you've got to value it enough to say yes to some other things. Allow the anointing of God to be, to be powerful and mighty in your life. That way you can sit here and go, God does make me look good. You look good in Jesus. It's really easy to get excited about the things of God. And so, when we value this more than we value sin, more than we value stepping away from things of God, we'll begin to see this get stronger. And as you walk it out, you wonder why some people, when every time they get up there and, and God, God just moves every time they talk, well, probably a personal thing between them and God, and they've, and they've not violated who God has called them to be, and God has continued to put the anointing upon their life. And it's, it's the same thing with your life. Whenever you realize who God has called you to be, whenever you begin to get, you get that self-image, and you see that ideal of you that God has revealed to you, and you begin to walk forward in, a, in those giftings and those talents he's put in your life, God says, okay, well, th- they got to figure it out. Here's some anointing. Then watch them go. And then the key is, you know, like, like Paul said, I got a thorn in the flesh to buffet me. And, you know, it didn't say it, 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 didn't say it was from God. It says, but here's what happens is you begin to walk in your anointing. You begin to see how good God is. And there's going to there's be things come. But the thing is, the more you walk in the anointing, the more you realize that these things don't, they, they don't stand. It's just something to try and get your eye, if you can just get your eyes off of God just for a second, just for a minute to where all of a sudden it's like, well, look at them. Why can't I do what, what they're doing? And all of a sudden God's like, ah, wait, wait, over here. I've got your anointing right here. Don't, don't look at them. I've got great plans for you too. Don't, don't get worried about what, what this anointed person over here is doing. Like I said, it goes back to the, back to the oil. You know, we've all got anointing upon our lives to do certain things. And if we'll allow God to keep us, if we'll stay in the presence of God and we'll, we'll keep our anointing anointing fresh and we'll keep fresh oil on us all the time, we, we stay in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're all going to walk in our anointing and, and, the, and all those cylinders are going to be clicking together. There's gonna be not, not going to be any lockup in, in the kingdom. And sadly enough, that's what happens a lot of times. We get comparing anointings, and we get comparing different giftings that people have, and it's like, well, that's no fair. Why do they get to do that? It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of God anoint you the way he made you to be, and you will be the most powerful, most victorious person that you could ever be. You can walk in the power and the resurrection glory of God all the time because you simply are focused on the anointing that God gave you and how you can use it to benefit the kingdom. And I promise you it will be amazing. I promise you he'll have you do things you never thought were possible. I promise your workplace will change. I promise your family will change. I promise when you walk around you put the anointing of God upon your life, this self-image of you that you, that you um, just now find out who you were, all of a sudden that goes times ten. Why? Because the anointing of God is, is, is empowering you to be everything that, that he's called that self-image to be. We're going to close here in just a minute, but I do want you to, um, to, to know one thing. You know, and we, we, we've said this before here. We are figuratively still writing the book of Acts. You know, and, and the book of Acts is becoming... quickly on my favorite books because you see what the anointing of god when it rests upon his people can do you know the anointing of god came on 120 people in the upper room you know and that's just another credit to to unity in the body of christ it said they were all in one accord you know looking for the same thing and i talked about this some on wednesday night when we all come here on on a sunday morning and we're all looking for the same thing we're all looking the same direction you know we wonder we wonder why sometimes why are why are camps so amazing sometimes why are conferences so amazing sometimes why because everybody's going to that conference or that camp with the exact same idea god is going to move well, if everybody comes into church with the exact same idea that I want to see God glorified, I want to see God moved, that corporate anointing is going to be phenomenal because we're all looking the same way. We're not looking to see where I fit in or what this No, I want to see God glorified no matter how it, what, what, what it costs me, what, what i got to do. I want to see God glorified. So if that means that this morning I sit down and shut my mouth, guess what? If, that, if God anoints that and God uses that, praise the Lord, that's what I want. If that means I've got to get up and give a testimony, guess what? That's what I want. Whatever it is. We come in. All, we all come in focused on the anointing of God being strong. We we'll come in focused on us people come in into an encounter with the Spirit of the Living God. If we walk into that and we see God begin to move, we beg- we see that unity begin to take place, and we say, "Wow, you know, someone someone got healed at church this morning." Well, duh, the anointing was there. Why well, was it doing there? Because <laughs> brethren were all together in unity. I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's very very.